There was a great saying that uh, we've probably become familiar with over the years, practice makes perfect. And some of us take it one step further. Some of you have heard this too, right? Perfect practice makes perfect. I saw a little clip of uh, uh, Steph Curry, so one of the point guards, uh, the Golden State Warriors basketball, professional basketball uh, organization, 500 three-point shots a day, 3,500 shots a week, and again, to the month, to the year of how many millions of shots that this young man has put up. And he only shoots a certain percentage of those in a game. But boy, he's one of the greatest ever to shoot the ball. But it, be, it started with his practice. And so it's wonderful and it's awesome to think about his practice. Today we want to bring this whole process of our quest for wisdom to a close. The final message will be out of the last parts of this book. And I want you to think about that wonderful concept, that what we do on a regular basis, our habits, will become who we are. I found a wonderful quote that I love from Stephen Covey. Covey is a leadership and uh, management author. He says, we're never going to be able to talk our way out of a problem that we behaved our way into. It reminded me of a wonderful quote also very similar from Albert Einstein. A problem will never be solved at the same level of thinking on which it was created, right? Those cheeky kind of statements sort of make us grin, but they are oh so true. And that we would never think or talk our way out of a situation that we habited or practiced our way into. And that's what today's message is really all all about. We want to be wise. We want to be virtuous. We want to do the right things, Lord. How do we do that? How can we stay on this quest for wisdom to live the way God wants us to live? To have these attributes of, of strength and courage and wisdom, prudence. Well, regular, consistent attention to our habits and the trajectory of our life is what we've learned in this last couple months. The Proverbs remind us that even little small changes, whether it be positive or negative, can have a drastic effect upon where we end up. In Proverbs 31, we're going to see a personification, a personification of wisdom herself as a woman, a woman of virtue, she's often called, a woman of value, a woman of valor a woman of wisdom. At the end of this book, I want us to take a section of this wonderful book of Proverbs and observe this description and compare ourselves to this person. You see, what we're going to read is what scholars call a straw person, right? Sometimes in arguments or in debate, we put up a straw person. We put up a Uh, a personification of an idea. And this woman that will be described is the personification of a wise person who put together the attributes and habits of wisdom into her actions of life, probably for a long period of time. And this entire book can be summarized down into this acrostic poem. We're going to study it here. It's a neat writing strategy 
to bring the Proverbs together to describe someone in very specific ways, setting up a comparison for us today. How do we measure up with this person, this personification of wisdom herself? Because it isn't actually wisdom unless you do it, right? How do we express our wisdom other than through our actions? And so that's what this passage is really all about. We practice wisdom. And so let's walk down through some of these passages together. But first, I want you to see, I want you to hear from our dear brother, who is going to read Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Listen carefully. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the staff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. Scholars and Hebrew experts will tell you that this is what's called an acrostic poem. An acrostic poem. Basically, how it's laid out in uh, our terms would be that there would be a letter of the alphabet, A, and then a statement. B, and then a statement. C, and then a statement, all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. That's just what Jim read. And it's a beautiful picture. We don't speak or read Hebrew, but it is an ode to wisdom. It's this overarching completeness that wisdom gives this woman, right? And she's personified as wisdom. Wisdom does this. Wisdom does this. Wisdom is this. And so I think it's a beautiful uh, way to study what wisdom in action will look like. So think of this written thousand years ago 
breaking both ancient and modern stereotypes, right? We're talking about a woman. But I don't think that this is just a list or a checklist of comparison for you ladies. No, no. It's far deeper than that. This has lasting impact for us as all people to reveal wisdom in action for all people seeking to live as God would have us to live. So this woman of virtue displays her wisdom in action-oriented ways. That's what you'll see is that this woman does this. This woman is this. This woman is and does these things. It was very beautiful. It's awesome and inspiring. So I just want to go down through and take a look at some categories. And then I'll just list for you on the handout the, the, the particular uh, verses that Jim read. One thing that stepped out to me or stuck out to me is that wisdom works hard. Take a look at these uh, verses 13, 17, and 19. I'll just kind of come down through these, but you can look them up later. But she selects wool and flax, and she works with eager hands. 17 says she sets about her work vigorously, and her arms are strong for those tasks. I love it. Appreciate that. The last verse really talks about the work more specifically in a weaving or a sewing sense, and that in her hand she holds that distaff, which is part of the weaving process. She grasps the spindle with her fingers. You see, this type of work was tedious and monotonous. It was beautiful when it was finished, of course. But it's a description of a person working, focusing on what, what she's doing, right? And doing it and developing strength to do it with her hands and her arms. That's awesome. It's a great picture. I think another category we'll see here is that wisdom is generating wealth. Or another way to put it is, I like to think of it as adding value. Are you adding value to the context or the organization, your family, your church, your workplace, your school, your team? Any place we are should be better because we're there. How about that? What a responsibility to think about the wisdom that God has given us to improve a situation just because we're there, just because we contribute. Take a look at uh, some of this. I love this. This is, she, in verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable. She's a businesswoman, right? And her lamp is not going to go out at night. She's prepared. She's profitable. She's a benefit to those people around her. I love this next one. We'll camp out here a second. She makes linen garments and sells them, okay? The creation of her hands and supplies the merchants with sashes. That's interesting. You would think about that for a second. Did you catch it? She's, she's making and handing out swag, right? And why would she do that? As a gift? Sure. Right? To be kind, to be generous? Yeah, maybe. No, no, no. Think about it. Why would she do that? Why would she hand a belt or a sash to one of the salesmen? He becomes the model for her handiwork. And so then the guy walks up to some potential purchasers and says, oh, you like my sash? Here, I've got several other of this lady's work. That's a beautiful, it's brilliant to think ahead this way. And there it is. She's adding value to the whole process. She brands the salesman, probably sells more goods as a result. Can you apply that principle to your life? Are you adding that kind of value to the work that you're doing or the assignment that you had? Are you that thoughtful 
I know I wasn't. I don't even think about things like that. But wisdom, growing in our knowledge, growing in our prudence, growing in our cunning understanding of the world will help us to think ahead and to add value and to generate wealth. You plug that into your context. We've talked about work. We've talked about our words. We've talked about, you know, uh, relationships. We've talked about the fear of God being the start of this type of action. That's a powerful conviction. Are we adding value? Have you met these kind of people? We love these people. They add value in in the way of um, improving a situation, solving a problem, um, bringing efficiency or excitement or even just fun and enjoyment to the environment that we're in. That's wisdom in action. It's a spirit-led aspect of being present with people and with organizations. And I think I find it as a great challenge that we would leave the place better than when we found it. So wisdom works hard and wisdom generates wealth, but also wisdom prepares for the future. There's a couple highlights here that I love. It is winter and we haven't seen that much snow here, but when it snows, wisdom has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. There's a great aspect of the Hebrew that's used here in that scarlet was often a a doubled fabric. For some reason, that's why they would say scarlet is because it was always doubled. In fact, other translations, you may have one, it says her household is doubly clothed. It's like the little guy sent out with the extra sweatshirt or the extra coat because it's going to be cold. And she's preparing her family. She's preparing those around her for the future. I love it. In verse 25, she herself is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs at the days to come. Oh, do you have that kind of security in your life? Many of us don't. We live with stress. We live in this stressful state due to all sorts of issues that we're facing. I've lived with that stress, whether it's financial or my own sinfulness and brokenness, living life too fast, trying to do too much, wearing myself out, and having no security or peace on an everyday basis. We can get used to that. It wears us out, and it's not what God has intended for our lives. That's what's wearing people out today that I observe. How about you? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Relationally, we are often living beyond our means. But this woman, this wise woman, this personification of wisdom in action, she laughs. She has a bright future. She knows who holds the future for her. Wisdom teaches us to serve and to act and to live in sustainable ways, in prudent ways. Throughout the book of Proverbs, some of us have been reading this. I would encourage you to continue on with the rest of the month. We've been reading a chapter that corresponds to the day of the the month. So today, we're up chapter 11, right? But early in the book, you're going to see that folly is personified as a woman as well. And wisdom is contrasted with folly, foolishness, right? And right there in chapter 1, there's a great verse that sort of just jumped off the page at me this week. It's 133. But whoever listens to me, and this is a quote from wisdom personified, right? Whoever will listen to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. I thought of the words of Jesus himself. He says, come to me, those you who are weary and heavy laden. You're coveting the wrong things. 
come to me and I'll give you rest. There is a peace that will, it will be unworldly. So a wise person has that security and works hard and develops wealth and plans for the future. But wisdom also brings honor to everybody around them. This is where when Jim read the passages about this woman's family and her husband, it's 23, where he said, her husband is respected at the city gate, at the place where business is done, by the way, the place where judgments are passed, where he takes his seat among the elders of the city or of the land. She is a support to him. Wisdom is the support, fella. Wisdom is the bride that brings him honor. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. A wise person brings honor and a positive impression to those that they're hanging around. It's because a wise person acts with forethought and with excellence. Those who are associated with wisdom are immediately a beneficiary of that good reputation. And I want to be that. I want to be that for my family. I want to be that for this church. I want to be that for you in this community. I want you to be the beneficiary of our collective wisdom. I think a lot of, in a lot of ways that's true. How about 27? It says, wisdom watches over the affairs of the household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. There's always a way to improve. There's always a way and a plan and a strategy that we're implementing, that we're improving. Now, once again, these are generalities. It's not, it's not exclusive. Like, there's time for rest. That's part of healing, right? That's part of Sabbath. That's part of disconnecting like we've talked about. But we're not idle without that intent. Watching over and bringing honor to her household. What a wonderful thought. I love this last one. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. You see, the people closest to us will reap the results of either our wisdom or our folly. This is very vivid for moms and dads. And so I want to thank you, moms and dads, for serving with wisdom in your family. And your children, you will represent and be the beneficiary of the decisions that you make, the habits that you develop. So it's all of these things. And as we're coming down to the close here, wisdom is very generous to those that are less fortunate. We've talked about giving and in our work. These are a little bit more personal. It says, whoever is a oppresses the poor, shows contempt for their maker, but whoever's kind to the needy honors God. We need to pray that if we have a distorted view of someone else, if we have a a, a broken view of another hurting person who is created in the image of God, we would not respond to them having a need. It's foolish. We treat people the way God wants us to treat them. That's a wise and generous thing to do. It applies on so many different levels for us. Owen reminded us a couple weeks ago how important our view and our conduct towards others really is to God. He suggested that how we relate to others is so powerful, and it's a reflection of our ultimate maturity in Christ, our level of wisdom in practice. I love this verse. Watch this, ladies. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants, for everyone around her. She's thinking ahead. And this type of wisdom, this dedication is rooted in the love that we have for people. And if you're doing these things, mom, praise God for you. We don't thank you enough. And students and children, don't 
take your parents or your mom for granted. Don't ever assume that people will be serving you. It's a gift to have someone like this in your life. Finally, in verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. That just isn't uh, making a meal. That's not everybody's thing. But it might be giving a hug or providing some financial assistance or advice. Just helping hand to be present with someone who is hurting. And many of you are doing that, and I'm so, so blessed when I see that happen. And I know God is too. So we've got this big list going, and it just keeps going and going. Take a look at verse 26. Wisdom speaks words. We talked about this a couple weeks ago that are faithful and true to people. I love Proverbs 8, 8. All my words, all the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to teach to the level and the Holy Spirit filling in my life. May we all do the same here. To speak with wisdom. We love to talk to people who have wisdom, right? She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. We listen to these people. We listen carefully. So you've got it right there down your your handout here. Look at this big picture. It's personified as a woman of virtue. This person that has placed all of God's wisdom into action. So that person works hard. They generate wealth. They prepare for the future. They honor everyone around them. They're generous to the less fortunate. And they speak words that are faithful and true. What a summary. What a picture we're getting here. And the final thing I want to share with you this morning and unpack is that true wisdom always points to the source of life. You see, our passage ended with that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, just like it began, just like it began. The book ends with this same picture of what it looks like when a person chooses and humbles themselves before God, metaphorically takes on the wisdom to practice a life after God's heart, to learn from him, to practice it every day. Philosophers through the ages have often speculated as to what wisdom really is. What is it? I want you to think about that with me today. But it basically comes down to three core things. One is is doing, acting. It's an action. And then often that action is reflected upon or shared with someone else. There's a relationship to our wisdom. And then finally, reflecting, we, de- we derive or gain some meaning in what we're doing. Doing in relationship with meaning. Doing in relationship and finding meaning. Doing in relationship and finding meaning. That's the long obedience in the same direction that philosophers have talked about. And that is what gives our life meaning The real challenge of Proverbs 31 is to choose Jesus, to pursue him, to gaze at his beauty, to learn from him, to rest in his perfect, complete, finished work for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Colossae. He said, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What a powerful prayer that Paul 
has for even us today, that we would choose this path together. The invitation is for all of us, men, women, children, older, younger, married, single. May we find Jesus, all the riches and the wisdom of God and understanding together. One of my life verses, I'll just go on a little rant here for you. But I want to end with this as the worship team comes on up. We're going to sing and process this. God calls us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. It's found in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and following. You can look it up this week. But it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, both living and passed on, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the joy scorned the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning, the author and the perfecter of wisdom, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in fact, I want to just invite you to stand right now because we're going to sing a song that's going to encapsulate all this as our prayer together. Let me pray for us and we'll go into it here. Lord, call us to action We want to do life together. And we want to do what you want us to do, Lord. Call us to a relationship with each other that's deep enough, that's weighty enough to bear the truth of correction, of encouragement. But all the while, Lord, we are turning our eyes to you, the wisdom of God. We thank you that we get to be on this process, this journey together. I pray, Lord, that we would fear you, that we would understand who you really are. In that light, we might gain wisdom to live a righteous life, to be in right relationship with you and with others. Taking everything that we do, God, whether it be in our work or our resources, our gifts, our talents, our day-to-day, that we would put it into action for your glory, God. Inspire us to do that now. We move forward together as a church. Serve and love our community. We would be known for our wisdom and our love. Make it so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.